morning. morning. Any of you guys ever sung the third verse of that song? We didn't know that existed, did we? How's everybody this morning? Did y'all have a good time with family? I guess not. Did y'all have a good time with family? What? All right. So I hear uh, Dallas is playing today at noon. So uh, I'll make sure we get out at exactly 12.05. I'm a little sour. Can you tell? Yeah. Okay. So what I like to do at the end of the year um, is take a look back um, throughout uh, the various series and the places we've been. Um, it's a very unique thing, I, I think, to do. Sometimes what we do is, very, is planned out, like extensively. And sometimes there are things that pop up where you just kind of have to go on the fly and deal with things and address things or special occasions fly in that you weren't aware of. Um, but it's really unique to see how uh, all these things really come together uh, as we're on this journey. And so when we look back throughout the year, specifically uh, at the, the various series and the messages and the themes that we have, uh, we have gone uh, through during our worship time together, uh, it's really unique uh, to look at that, I believe, and to see kind of where we've gone, where God is taking us, and uh, some of the things we've learned. And so if you're uh, visiting here with us, you are going, you're in luck. Um, you didn't have to sit through all this. And so you're going to get the cliff notes from uh, this year's uh, series. Uh, and a lot of things, I think, uh, would be helpful to remind us okay, where we've been. Uh, and also to help us look forward to where we're going. And so today, let's take a look back at 2014. We began the year with a series called Bringing Discipleship into Focus. And the whole reason for this series was to help us begin to think in terms of being disciples. And so if you're visiting here, this is in your home congregation, this is going to be good stuff for you because I guarantee you, your home congregation, they'll be thankful for you to hear this and to understand this. This isn't about God. God, We were not called, okay, to be Christians by the modern day standard. We were not called to be sideline warriors. We were called to be disciples, to actually be on the field, in the play, to be invested, to actually be a part of, be connected with God's kingdom, his body. And so as a result, we need, we really, we really, it's really important for us to get this. Our minds need to be focused and begin to think in terms of being disciples. That's who we are. See, because unfortunately, We've kind of put things in a box, and when we begin to look at the term disciple, we automatically think evangelism. The problem with that is that that may be like 5% of what it means to be a disciple. I know that makes it sound like evangelism is very small and nothing, right? you got to understand this. We are called to be disciples, and disciple or discipleship is all about who we are As Christians, it's all about the way we live our lives. It's about us being students and Jesus being our teacher. We follow him. We live as he lived. John explains in 1 John, I believe it's chapter 2 or chapter 3, he says, chapter 2 it is, that as disciples, we ought to walk as Jesus walked. And it's a very unique picture there because in the Greek, literally it's the idea putting your foot 
in the footprints of Jesus. A picture is like a father walking on a beach and the child coming behind him and putting their foot in the footprints that are left behind. That's us. And so this idea of bringing discipleship into focus was all about getting us to begin to think in terms of being disciples. That's what discipleship is. And as a result, a lot of these programs and a lot of these things that we, we create and we put in boxes that we try to force to happen or will naturally occur when we understand that this is all about discipleship. And so we began the year with this focus, and it remains and will continue to remain, as long as I'm here, the focus of what we do. This is all about being disciples and discipleship. And so, naturally, the next series was a series on spiritual disciplines. And I know that's something that I think a lot of people just kind of balk at and kind of turn their nose up at. Don't even want to deal with it. Don't even want to mess with it. But here's the point. It is God's intentions that the fruit of the Spirit, as opposed to the deeds of the flesh, be manifested in our lives as disciples. These are the very qualities that Jesus possessed. And God's intentions is for us to possess those very things as well. And spiritual disciplines are those things that we can do to help those qualities, the fruit of the Spirit, become a reality in our lives. So spiritual disciplines actually help form our character, qualities, standards, our minds, our hearts, And becoming, at least they play a part in, helping us to become the people that God wants us to be. And so spiritual disciplines are those things which will help disciples become and remain disciples. And then we we did a few messages that were leading up to uh, ultimately uh, Easter. And the first one we did was called Called Out. We kind of went through the various uh, words in the New Testament wherein this word called out is translated in various ways as invite, invited, appointed, we were named. And so that was the idea. The idea was that we as disciples have been invited to something, have been called something, have been named to something. And so we went through a gamut of things that help us understand and remind us what we're called to be such as citizens or children, we're called to be God's holy people, called to live according to his purpose as disciples. We talked about what we're called from, and so there was a contrast to the way things used to be, right? Uh, Our outlook on life, our perspective on life, the condition even of our hearts to what we're called to, and what our perspective is now, what our outlook is now. But unfortunately, I think oftentimes people get discouraged because they look at this, and then they look at this, and they think there's not a whole lot of difference. Like, life didn't get very much easier. In fact, in some instances, it got harder. And that was to be a reminder for us that we're not necessarily called into something that smells like roses, where we're... Skipping through a field of daisies wearing tutus. Although we do have a picture of someone doing that. I should have, oh, that was, I should have had that picture. Find it, put it up there, okay. The 
the point was this. Sometimes we get discouraged because life well, is tough. There are trials, there are tribulations, there are things we, we face, right? Things that you faced here, you also faced here. But here's the difference. God has called us to respond to those things now that we're here quite a bit differently. And so that was just a reminder of us of how we respond to the challenges that we face. And because of these challenges, the next week we talked about burnout, which is a real issue. Something we don't necessarily talk about. It's an excuse that we give sometimes when we are lazy, I think. But burnout is a real condition. It affects us emotionally and physically and spiritually. And with all the trials that we face, with the busyness of life, we can get burned. We can get burned out. And in fact, we, uh, we used Elijah uh, as an example of someone who was burned out. And we showed how God dealt with Elijah. Gave us some very practical ways to deal with burnout. And what you, don't, what you probably don't realize is that during the time that I presented that message, I myself had just been diagnosed, if you will, being burnout. And so I literally was going through those very things and implementing the very practical things that we uh, suggested. And then ultimately that led us to our Easter message, which we refer to as our new life. Did you ever hear their statement, the cross isn't enough? Sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? The cross isn't enough. You think there's a hint of truth in that statement? There's not just a hint of truth. It is a true statement. The cross is not enough. Because if Jesus was not resurrected... There would be no hope of a new life. Every time the New Testament talks about this idea of hope, this idea of looking forward to something, this idea of having a new life or a new perspective, it's always in the context, interesting enough, in reference to the resurrection, not the cross. Now the cross was important, and we don't want to belittle the cross, right? But if Jesus died and wasn't resurrected, Paul said, what hope do we have? Of all men who ever live in existence, we who put our hope in someone who was not raised from the dead are most to be pitied. Everything we do hinges upon the resurrection. And so there needs to be an emphasis on the resurrection. Now, again, not to belittle the death of Jesus... That's important, and that's a huge thing for us to dwell on and to think about and meditate upon. That is, that, that is, that is it's huge. But unless he was resurrected, the cross does nothing for us. Do you understand that? The cross does nothing for us. And so we, we, we have to have an importance upon the resurrection. We have to put an emphasis on it. And without belittling the cross, we ended the message this way. By asking this question. Do we serve a dead Savior or a risen one? And if we serve a risen Savior, because I think sometimes the way we live as disciples, you would not know that we have a risen Savior. You have no idea that we have this 
There's this reason to be filled with joy and hope. Be really foreign to us. Because sometimes the way we live, it's almost like we're looking at life through the lens of a Savior who is dead. But he ain't on the cross anymore. And he's not in the grave. He's risen. And so if we, we serve a risen Savior, we need to live like we're serving a risen Savior. So the emphasis of the cross really brings to bear this concept of a new life. So I pose this question to you today. Do you serve a dead Savior or a risen one? And so that naturally led to this next series on joy, which is probably one of my most well, that's a lot. That is one of my favorite series. Joy. We use Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I wish we had the time or to, to read through these things. Psalm 119, various passages that demonstrate a heart that realizes that he is blessed. And he turns around and he praises God. He praises God for it. It's a picture of a heart that is satisfied. So the question is this, do we feel the satisfaction that comes with having a relationship with Jesus? Again, are we, are we, are we living life through the lens of a, of a dead Savior or a risen one? If he's risen, well, we have reason to rejoice and to be filled with joy. Yes, there are hard times. Yes, there are things that are going to happen that are going to discourage us. But we've been called to respond to a certain way. And what's interesting is that in the context in which the Bible writes and talks about joy, it's in a context of suffering. Which leads me to read this and I think, man, do, do I have this? Am I missing something here? Well, the question is, do we feel the satisfaction that comes with having a relationship with Jesus as we should? As his disciples. And if we don't, well, maybe there's something wrong with our relationship. And so maybe we need a reminder. And so that led to our next series, which was called It's Not Just a Fairy Tale, which this one was my favorite of the year. It's Not a Fairy Tale was uh, parables, uh, modern day parables for personal growth from a book. Um, that uh, was written by a woman named Melinda, and I can't pronounce her last name, so I won't even try. Um, you can Google it. In fact, Shane Brown still has my copy. Um, yeah. So anyways, this was, I thought, a unique way, okay, to use stories to illustrate some biblical truths, which is what parables uh, really are. And uh, what, this, what this series did uh, was remind us of the healing power of Jesus and what he has done and what he offers the very fact that he is our source of joy. That was the point. And so it was a reminder for us. And then that led to the next one, which was casual Christian. You guys getting vibe with all these? See where we're going here? If we don't have the satisfaction that comes with being a disciple, maybe the problem is that we're just casual Christians. The same God <laughs> that creation 
proclaims as the creator of the universe. It's the same God that we dare to say we love. And we, we call him our father. And God hasn't called us to just an experience that happens once a week. Or a specific moment in time. Or specific day. He hasn't called us to be sideline warriors, right? He hasn't called us to just be fans. See, as a fan, right, you know the statistics. You know who's playing, right? You know which uniform they're probably going to be wearing. You know, if you play fantasy football, right, who to pick and who not to pick. But you never actually get on the field and participate. See, that's not what God called us to. He called us to be followers. Jesus said, go make disciples, not weekend warriors. And the disciple is someone who sits at the foot of Jesus with the intention of learning, listening, observing, obeying, imitating. That's what this was about. This isn't about playing church. You might as well stay home and wait for the game to come on. You don't have to worry about getting out of 12.05. This isn't about playing anything. I wonder, I wonder if, if we ask some of your closest friends, what do you think about this person? What about their relationship with God? I wonder what they would say. Then I wonder if we turned around and we asked God what he thought about our relationship with him. I wonder if what he said would be a little bit different. See, because I think sometimes we play the part really well. And we have all the right answers. But that's not really us. See, but God has called us not to be on the sideline, right? not to play the part, but to be invested, to be involved, to have some skin in the game, to walk with him. And we walk with him by following his son who gives us the path. We have all the guidance that we need. See, it's not just a specific moment or a specific day or time of year. It's an everyday walking, living, breathing, eating, sleeping thing. It's who we are. And that's not just coming from a guy who may be overzealous as a preacher. This is real life. So it's not about being casual Christian. It's not about being apathetic, indifferent, just going through the motions, but being dedicated. I looked at the series as a wake-up call to stimulate us to further dedication. So I ask you, are you really dedicated to this? Or are you just a casual observer? That led us to the last two series of the year. The first one was on God. We went through all the various qualities and characteristics of God. What God says about him. And my approach was, and, and, I, and I said this very clearly, I'm not going to give you what I think. I'm just going to let him speak for himself. And that's what we did. And we, we, we could continue, we could still be doing that series now, but we had to cut it off somewhere. One of the things we mentioned was this. What you think of God 
is a very important question. Okay? What do you think of God? And your answer to what you think of God, what you think about when you think of God, your answer is very profound. It has very profound implications. Because here's the deal. We play the part so well, right? But the real us is oftentimes written down there in the footnotes. And the footnotes of your life are determined by what you think of God. The real you who really is you. The one who makes the choices and the decisions when you look in the mirror at the cool dawn in the morning. And you face yourself. Yourself that no one else knows but God. What you think of him determines the footnotes of your life. And that naturally led us to talking about Jesus. And we went with the same approach. What you think of Jesus is extremely important. And it will determine your outlook and approach to life. So here we are now. At the end of another year and the beginning of a new one. Where are we going to go from here in 2015? Just let that come up. Well, how do we move forward? What I want you to know, what I want you to understand is this. This will remain about being disciples. We are all about being disciples and making disciples and everything that that entails. And in order for us to move forward as a part of North Point, and if you're visiting with us and you're not a part of North Point, but you have a home congregation somewhere else, these are good things for you to think about as well. The church needs people who are dedicated who are committed, who are invested. And you know what that means? Yeah, it means time, talent, treasure. But you know what that means? That means that when things don't go your way, you don't go church shopping. That means that just because something happens that you don't like, you don't threaten to leave. That means you're dedicated to God and working in this community with this group of people, with this family of God. That means you're invested. Yes, time talent, and treasure. That means you got skin in the game. You want this to succeed. And I know that's cliche, right? We, we, and, and for some people, we shouldn't even say things that way because this is all about God and God's going to make this work. But don't forget, we're laborers together with him. And so he has certain expectations of us. We have to remember that. And so in order to help you, if you are not totally invested in North Point, we're going to begin... The year off by talking about our core values. See, everything that you do as a person, you do because you value something. Everything. You want to know what you value? Let's look at your life. Look at what you do. Oftentimes, just look at what you spend your money on. But you want to know what you value? Look at what you do. Everything we do, we do because we value something. And if we decide not to do some things, it's because it goes against what we value. And so you need to understand what we value. And so we're going to begin the year by talking about our core values. 
The core values are those things that are going to help us accomplish the mission. Now, I'm only one guy. And there are millions of professional leaders who write books, right, who have podcasts, who will tell you how to lead. What I'm about to tell you may fly in the face of what some of these people tell you. There has been this big push for vision. And so people come up with these fancy phrases and we have this vision. This vision is supposed to paint a picture of what we want to be. But you know the problem with that is? Oftentimes we don't know how to make that happen. We don't know what to do. And so we stagnate and we spin wheels. Here's my approach. I don't think vision is something you can force to happen. I believe vision is something that naturally will occur when you accomplish what the mission is. We know what the mission is. The mission, and we simplified this, is to be madly in love with God. We're probably going to use another word, but it's to be deeply in love with God, be insanely in love with God, love other people, and make disciples. That's the mission. We know what it is. So let's just focus on trying to accomplish the mission. These core values are going to be the things that are going to help us accomplish the mission here in Saxe as we labor together with God. So we're going to begin the year by talking about what these core values are. And I'm hoping that these things will help you understand who we are, what we are about, and help you become more invested in what God is doing here in Saxe. So my question to you is, as we end this year and we begin another, are you all in?